Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host for today, Emma Sandler, Senior Beauty and Wellness Reporter. Today, we are welcoming Nick Vlahos, the CEO of The Honest Company, one of the first notable better-for-you CPG companies. The Honest Company was launched in 2012 and was founded by Jessica Alba. In March 2017, Nick Vlahos was appointed CEO, coming from the Clorox Company, and the company went public in May 2021 via an IPO. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Emma, for having me. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling from our office in Playa Vista, California. Oh, that sounds much nicer than the cold and brisk New York City right now. Yeah, we're fortunate to be out here. So we've had some nice sunshine and uh, I'm a native Chicagoan. So I was talking to my parents this weekend and uh, they're dealing with a lot of cold also and, and some challenges in the Midwest. So we're fortunate. It's been uh, it's been really nice out here. Well, thank you, of course, for joining this show. It's a pleasure to have you. So you've been at the helm of The Honest Company for several years now. Can you tell me a bit about what initially attracted you to join the company and what your present goals are? Sure. So I've spent uh, over 30 years in the consumer products industry, and I've been very fortunate to, to grow up in this industry and work on some amazing brands. And uh, earlier in my career, I had the opportunity to uh, work at the Clorox company where I spent uh, over 22 years in a variety of roles. And while I was there, I worked on developing really a portfolio of brands that were in the natural kind of better for you space. And I worked as the general manager on brands like Burt's Bees, uh, Brita, water filtration, as well as uh, a clean line of cleaners, Greenworks. So when I was there, I had a thesis and I had an interest in understanding kind of where that consumer was going in the future. And it was really around defining health and wellness based on what you put in your body, what goes on your skin, what can impact you from an environment perspective. And back then, I was trying to communicate that messaging to a consumer through the lens of Brita, water filtration, more water, uh, less sugary beverages, you know, with your skin, what can impact your skin, Burt's Bees, more natural ingredients versus kind of conventional ingredients, as well as with green, green works from a, from a uh, cleaner perspective, less harsh chemicals. So had that thesis there and what attracted me to Honest was uh, probably right around 2012 when Honest was founded by Jessica. She had a thesis around health and wellness, around having one brand called Honest that can actually go across multiple categories to deliver against that same promise around better for you and around wellness, around how do you take care of yourself, how do you take care of your household, your family, uh, and be able to really experience products that are really less harsh in nature and have more of a eco, more conscious uh, point of view and an ethos. And she had a, an amazing brand that she was developing back then that really was delivering against that promise that I was thirsting to deliver against. But I had multiple brands in multiple categories versus one brand. And that's really what attracted me. The second part of your question around where we're focused is really bringing kind of that mission that Jess created uh, almost 10 years ago into uh, today's marketplace around how do we inspire more consumers to live a more conscientious, better for you lifestyle. 
And we started this journey uh, over 10 years ago. And as you look at where we are today, we've really built out our portfolio from a brand perspective beyond just diapers and wipes. Uh, now a significant amount of our business is done within personal care and skin and beauty. As you look at our beauty uh, business and, and, and how we define it around clean beauty that actually works, that performs. And that's always been a dissatisfier in the marketplace around conventional products, uh, usually perform at a very high level and there's always payoff. And then the clean products or the more natural type products end up not having that payoff. And we've done a lot of work to really deliver against that. And also our household and wellness side of our business. So you look at our cleaners and what takes place in your household. How do you think of surfaces, disinfection, cleaning? So we're really creating uh, a lifestyle brand that really delivers against that promise around inspiring everyone to live a more conscientious, better for you lifestyle. You mentioned that the beauty and personal care category is a significant portion of the business. My understanding is that the beauty category is currently undergoing a restage. I would love to hear more about that. What does it consist of? Sure. When you look at our portfolio and our brands, when the company first started, you know, a disproportionate amount of the business was still around diapers as well as wipes. And over the last few years, when I joined Honest, we made a significant investment in building out our own internal laboratories to really start to work on delivering formulations that are clean, that are safe, that can really deliver against the consumer needs when it comes to payoff, which is really effectiveness. So you don't have to really have any trade-offs when it comes to these formulas. So when you look at the beauty business and kind of where we've taken it and where we're headed, this beauty restage that we introduced uh, this past year and it started to, to, to ship in the marketplace uh, in July is we always talk about continuous improvement here at Honest, and we've had some amazing formulas that we've developed across our entire line, both in skin as well as within color. But we had an opportunity uh, to really look at our sustainability and look at our packaging. And the restage has encompassed about 100 SKUs that we ended up touching this past year. And we introduced uh, new secondary packaging, which is really a 100% tree-free packaging that's made from upcycled sugarcane byproduct. So we deliver a better consumer experience. The product, obviously, inside the package has that you know payoff that I talk about around safe, around effective. Uh, but in tune with not just the performance of the product, it's really, as you think of that overall experience around the packaging, being able to move more into this more sustainable packaging from a marketplace perspective delivers against really another component of our mission around how do we think about the planet? How do we think of that complete life cycle of that individual product? So we introduced that uh, this past year. It's been well-received within the marketplace. Uh, for an example, uh, you can find our products within Target, um, over this past uh, year, we've added additional store count with Target. And this quarter, we're adding an additional 385 stores where you'll experience that packaging. We're up to about 1,600 Target stores. We also have distribution placement at Ulta with Ulta.com, uh, as well as Amazon. So 
the overall restage encompasses really this revamping of the packaging when it comes to the secondary components, as well as we've made significant inroads around this continuous improvement around the primary with glass droppers, aluminum tubes, tin components, as well as additional PCR materials. So again, delivering to the consumer, not just effectiveness around the individual products, but also the experience around sustainability and better for you to continue to improve overall uh, your experience and our value proposition with our beauty line. So is it fair to say that the biggest portion of the restage is indeed that sustainability focus as opposed to reformulated products, new products, or getting rid of old products? Yeah, it's a good question, Emma. A primary focus was really the packaging and the sustainability lens of this, but then the secondary component is also adding additional items and lines within the overall uh, beauty portfolio. So as I mentioned earlier, we've made significant investments in being able to have our own internal laboratories. We spend about 2% of our overall revenues with uh, within R&D to be able to really do the product development here in-house. And with that, uh, within this restage, we also introduced a new daily defense collection. Uh, so a subline within uh, our skin portfolio with where these products are formulated with Honest C Concentrate. They're four new products. And the benefit is really to help uh, with uh, natural detoxification. So the overall, you know, harsh kind of impact from an environmental perspective to the skin, we've formulated these four items to be able to address those consumer needs and dissatisfiers when it comes to this detoxification process. So that's a component uh, of the lineup that was introduced within kind of the restage. And then this year, as we go into uh, this new fiscal year in 2022, we have additional initiatives that we'll be introducing in the marketplace around our beauty business. I mean, within the marketplace, you know, when you look at beauty, there's literally about 91% of the beauty businesses in the marketplace do less than $25 million of revenue. We're very fortunate when you look at the initiatives and the lineup that we have here and really being the originators when we talk about, you know, clean beauty that actually works, that performs comparable to these conventional products out there. We're fortunate to be in that 9%, uh, not in that 91 when it comes to the overall business and its overall performance and consumers more and more are being delighted with our offerings. And that's why you see the expansion starting to take place with more retail partners and more placement within both the digital as well as the physical shelf. Now, you also said in the third quarter earnings call of 2021 that the restage will be a significant growth driver for the business going forward. Are you able to share more about your exact expectations there? Well, we've, we've talked this within the marketplace that we're going to see skin and personal care, as you witnessed uh, in this past quarter with our earnings, to be driving really double-digit growth for us as we look into the out years. And we see that becoming a, a bigger contributor to the overall revenue base within Honest. And that was a key part of our thesis as we uh, you know, we did our IPO this past year as we talked to investors was seeing that 
continuum and that shift within the market of being able to grow the skin and personal side of the business, as well as acquiring newer consumers within skin and personal care to be able to then experience you know, this thesis around Honest as this overarching kind of platform uh, wellness brand that can really go against multiple categories. And we see skin and personal care uh, being a, a key contributor around that thesis moving forward. As you and I have already mentioned, the Honest Company has been an early player in the better for you space and the clean beauty category. I'm curious how you're seeing these spaces evolve. What are the sort of factors at play that are informing the Honest Company's own direction and approach to these better for you and clean beauty categories? Yeah, I think the most important thing for us is, and this was kind of with the genesis of the business and, and Jessica as the founder, always having a pulse around where the consumer is and where the consumer is today, but anticipating where the consumer is going in the future. So as we look at uh, consumer insights and, and, and we have a pulse both from a social perspective with our social listening that we're doing within the market, as well as understanding trends that are taking place in Europe and other places around the world, uh, we have a pretty good understanding that the market's going to continue to shift more and more around clean, natural, better for you. The forecast right now, when you look at the current categories uh, that we're in, the forecast from a growth perspective is better for you, clean, natural products are going to grow roughly at a 9 to 10% clip, those specific categories, uh, by 2025. If you look at conventional products within those same categories in places like personal care and diapers and wipes, skin care, they're forecasted to grow anywhere between 1% and 2%. So my point on this is what we're seeing is there's tailwinds within the marketplace around consumers, not only today, but as you look to the future, gravitating more and more towards these better for you type products. So when you think of honest and our ethos around clean, around sustainable effective, and then also importantly, socially responsible when you look at who we are and what we're all about as a company. It's not just about amazing products that actually perform at a high level that can be clean and sustainable, but also consumers, as you look at the future and you look at those nine to 10% growth rates versus the one to two versus conventional, they also want to buy from businesses and from companies that stand for something. And for us, what's really important is our ethos is also about giving back. So social responsibility is a key pillar for us here at Honest. You know, over the last, you know, uh, 10 years since the inception of the company and now forecasted over the next year, um, we've donated with our partner, Baby to Baby, you know, over 25 million uh, products over the last 10 years. And we have a commitment to donate another 10 million as we celebrated a 10 year anniversary with baby to baby uh, to actually take that number to 35 uh, plus million products over the next couple of years. I make that point because consumers, you know, they're buying brands. They're not just buying products and the brand value proposition 
has to be beyond just the actual product. And yes, being clean, being safe is important and performing at a high level, but they also want to buy brands that are also making a difference within their respective communities. And, and baby to baby is a great example, a key pillar for us to, to provide products and, and toiletries and products of need uh, within the marketplace with consumers and individuals that have needs uh, both locally as well as broader domestically. You brought up an interesting point that the Honest Company, and I suppose also its partnership with Baby to Baby, is going on for 10 years now. That's a whole decade in business. Anything notable that the Honest Company will be doing this year as a sort of commemorate that lifespan? Yes. Yeah, we just actually announced this recently that to celebrate that 10-year partnership and that anniversary that we're making a commitment to donate actually $10 million uh, additional products uh, to baby to baby over the next uh, over the next year. So you're going to see us uh, continue to uh, delve into that partnership in a bigger way. Um, it's been part of who we are from day one, but it just shows again our commitment. Uh, to continue down that path because it's not just an episodic, hey, this is something someone does once in a while. This is ingrained in what this brand is all about and giving back and making a difference is not just lip service. It's actually actions, not just words. And, and this 10 million product commitment is, 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 is a good example. We'll be right back after this message. When it comes to the business, the honest companies now publicly trading. Um, it went public at $16 a share in May of last year. I was looking earlier and currently it's trading at a below $8 a share. Does the stock performance concern you at all? I mean, what's what's important for, for me, and I've been doing this uh, for a long time, over 30 years in business, and I always start with, let's build a great business. And the reason we're able to command, you know, the $16 kind of initial public offering price is because of what the business has been, uh, where it is today, but importantly, where it's going into the future. So, you know, the stock price will fluctuate. And if you look at the market, you know, over the last year, I think I saw a statistic, uh, you know, over 50% of the IPOs in 2021 out of the top 100 uh, IPOs that are trading are below kind of their offer price. And that's because of what's happening within the market. When you look at COVID, you look at supply chain, you know, challenges that are taking place, different input issues around costs that are happening. So that's going to be out there and there's going to be episodic periods where, you know, there are things outside of your control that are impacting the overall business. What's important as a good custodian of the business is ensuring that you build a great business that can stand the test of time. And that's what we're doing here at Honest is number one, no trade-offs around our products and our formulas. That's why we have our investments here within our own internal laboratories to develop amazing products that perform at a high level that are more sustainable each and every day. And that at the end of the day, we can make an impact from a social responsibility standpoint. Continue to focus on that. 
And then the stock price, you know, will take care of itself. So you look at companies that are disruptors that have been around now for a little while. You know, Tesla was trading at five dollars, under five dollars at one time, and you know, it sits at a thousand. Or Facebook was at eighteen at one time, I think, and it sits at like over three hundred. So that's going to happen for us. It's going to be about really our mission, about inspiring more and more people to live a more conscientious lifestyle, and based on the projected growth trends in these categories. We're well positioned to capture those consumers as we look to the future. I like that you bring up the Facebook and Tesla examples. My mother has a joke that if she was to go back in time, she would go back to the Apple IPO and just buy all the stock. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, she might want to consider that for the honest company at this point. Because yeah, there's still indeed. opportunity as you look to the future. <laughs> Kelly Kennedy, your CFO, also noted in the third quarter earnings that the omnichannel model is, quote, a true competitive advantage, unquote. Tell me more. What does your omnichannel strategy look like? You mentioned further expansion into target doors, for example. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're unique. You know, a lot of folks say they're unique uh, when it comes to, you know, some some of the, uh, you know, the buzzwords that are out there when it comes to omnichannel. You hear a lot of people talk omnichannel these days. It's really a key strategic uh, pillar for us from, you know, when I joined the organization was we wanted to follow the consumer. And that's, you know, I've referenced that earlier talking about Jess and really the start of Honest was always, hey, where's the consumer today anticipating where they're headed to the future? And what we see with consumer and consumer behavior is, and you've seen even that acceleration with, with COVID and kind of what's transpiring today some people want to buy via their digital device. Uh, some folks uh, want to walk into their target on the way home. I might want to pop into a Walgreens and do a quick pickup based on, you know, where I am uh, within my journey that day. So our objective has always been how do we make our products accessible to consumers to make things easy for that consumer based on wherever they are on that continuum and on that journey uh, from a consumer behavior perspective. So for us and why we are a bit unique, there's no other business out there. If you look at, you know, you look at our information from, you know, 2020 leading into the IPO, um, you know, we have about a third of our business that's being done at honest.com over a third of our business being done at Amazon and about a third being done within retail. That's a pretty unique proposition when you think of who we are. We're a very unique brand that you can find at a Nordstrom, you can find it at an Ulta, you can find it at Target, and uh, you can find it at an Amazon at an honest.com. So for us, as we look to the future and what Kelly referenced on that call, we're well positioned based on where the consumer is to make our products accessible. During, you know, the height of COVID, you know, more and more folks didn't want to go into a store, so they were buying more things online. Well, we were accessible to them, whether it was via honest.com or via an Amazon or a target.com to make our products accessible so they didn't have to make that journey into a store. Today, you're seeing more people start to gravitate towards stores again. So as they start gravitating more towards stores, we're well positioned to be able to find our products in places like, you know, Target and places like a, a Walgreens uh, to make our products more accessible based on where that consumer wants to be. So that's a key strategy for us as we look to the future. We're going to continue to partner with the right partners, both domestically as well as internationally, to be able to really drive that accessibility strategy through this omni-channel lens. 
And speaking of internationally, I recall from the S1 filing that international sales make up a very small portion of their overall business. So there's a huge growth opportunity there abroad. What can you share? What's going on this year with respect to international expansion? Sure. And I think, you know, we referenced some of this at our last earnings call and the one prior. We talk about international as a significant opportunity because that consumer that I talk about, you know, around better for you and caring more and more about cleaner ingredients, caring more about sustainability, caring more about social responsibility isn't just you know, something that's happening within North America or just in the United States. Uh, We're seeing that also in places like Europe. So we've partnered in Europe uh, with Douglas, which is a key partner for us with our beauty business to not only introduce the brand there, but also start to expand the brand there. So they're a key partner for us in about seven primary markets, but then we're going to be adding additional markets this year uh, around carrying our beauty, our skin initiatives uh, within Europe to be able to continue to drive this accessibility strategy. Not only are we doing that within Douglas and our partnership there within their physical stores, but also digitally. So what you'll see more and more this next year is us really building out a clear content strategy with them that really leads to community and advocacy from a digital perspective within the different geographies within Europe that we've in the different countries that we've partnered with them on, but also really driving this kind of omni-channel commerce with them, both with the physical store as well as the digital store. How are you sort of thinking about the community element? Because I know that is a big part of the brand ethos. You, of course, have a notable brand founder, so that does help with some brand awareness. But on a more specific level, how do you think about community? What are the sort of things that you're doing to strengthen the community? Well, there's there's a couple things in this space, and there was a recent you know Ipsos uh, a study that was done, and they talked about you know beauty uh, brands and how do you accelerate growth? How do people find beauty brands in today's world? And there's still a statistic that's out there that's about fifty percent really comes from theme from from friends and family uh, is is how you get introduced to a specific brand in beauty, as well as to specific products, as well as about 25% was really through kind of online, through videos, through social, and about 25% was influencers. So when you think about that, um, how do you then influence a community, which is your question, to be able to get advocacy, whether it's word of mouth uh, with family and friends, or it's, you know, content that gets generated via a magazine or online via video to how do you drive advocacy with influencers? And for us, a key differentiator has really been our approach in this space around three areas. And I talk a lot about content around community and commerce. And when you put those three together, that's a key strategy for us in how we generate really this component around advocacy within our community. So an example, 
when you take a look at content, you know, during uh, COVID, there were significant concerns with consumers around, you know, mask acne that was taking place. So I'm putting the mask on, I'm having acne, I'm having issues. Through our kind of social listening and through having a pulse on the consumer and where they are today and where they're going tomorrow, what we identified during that time period was, hey, this is a significant concern. And what are the types of products that can actually address that concern within the market? We quickly, when I talk about content within the strategy, is created really snackable content different types of vignettes, different type of social PR content. They really started to talk about really our lineup of our, from a sensitive skin perspective, this calming line that we have in the marketplace that could address that specific issue. And there's four individual products that are a regimen that can turn around and deal with that specific skin concern. So we created customized content that was really snackable in nature against that specific need around mask acne. We then turned around and went into the second component, which I talk about is community, to get advocacy, not just with our 43 million you know, social, when you look at our followers and the people that we connect with and that we impact, but also this word of mouth and getting not only those 43 million, but also the partners that we have from a retailer perspective, both from a digital as retail uh, partnership that we have with the Targets, the Ultas, to then take that same content and get more word of mouth through the materials that they're putting out within the marketplace. So using our content to be able to go not just our own 43 million followers, but how do we start to build out within the partners that we have? And now within that community, we're getting that word of mouth talking about this lineup of products that we have that can yield the third component, which is how do you make it easy from a commerce perspective to buy those four items that can turn around and address that mask acne within Ulta, within a Target, within Honest. So now what you're seeing is that content that I talk about show up the same way across our partners and our ecosystem to be able to drive a solution to the consumer around that specific need. So I think it's a good example around start with the consumer and understand kind of what that issue is, create relevant content and kind of give that surround sound to that consumer based on what that specific need state is in that issue, and then turn around and unleash not just your own community, uh, but be able to partner and create that surround sound with the partners that you're affiliated with to then make things easy from a commerce perspective. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier from an omni-channel standpoint, make it easy for that consumer to then transact, whether they see those four products and that solution set based on that content at Ulta, at a Target or an Honest.com, we're okay with that from an accessibility consumption perspective because we want to make it easy for that consumer to experience and transact. Switching topics a little bit, the Honest Company added a beauty-specific in-house lab in March of 2018. I'm curious what the status of the lab is today and also why you wanted to create a beauty-specific in-house lab. Yeah, what was really important, I learned this kind of early in my career, uh, as you look at some of these categories that are still being defined. So right now, everyone's talking about clean beauty, and that's a space 
that continues to emerge. In my prior experiences, and I, I built a brand called Bird's Bees. I helped uh, build that brand. There are others also involved, but I was the general manager and I ran that business and we expanded it into, into about 40 countries when I was there. What I learned early was the importance of the formula development uh, and being able to manage that in-house to be a differentiator around the payoff to the consumer. So when you're emerging in some of these categories that are very conventional uh, categories that have been driven based on specific science, to be able to really shift the consumer and deliver against the payoff around making sure that these products, if you talk about, you know, a liquid lip with eight hours of moisturization, then not only is it a great color and you've got the pop, but you also have a benefit within the skin. How do you develop those types of formulas using safe, clean ingredients to be able to give the benefit, but also not to have to worry uh, at the end of the day about what you're actually putting, for example, in that in that example, uh, a product on your lip. So we made the strategic um, choice to invest in our own internal laboratories because the consumer is learning more and more about these clean products. And what they really thirst for is not just to learn about them, but that they actually work. And for us, it's been important that we can control that formula development here. And over the last few years, you know, in 2020, we introduced 50 new products, for example, uh, coming out of these labs. Uh, this past year, we introduced about 60 new products coming out of these labs. As we look to the future, um, these labs give us the opportunity to be in touch with the consumer, as I talked earlier about understanding through our social channels, where consumers are, what those needs are, what are we seeing in Europe that's evolving that potentially might be coming to the States, and being uh, flexible and adaptable to quickly innovate within uh, identification of some of these trends to create these amazing formulas and products and put those into the market. And as I mentioned earlier, this daily defense line is a good example as we started to learn more and more about these kind of harsh environmental aggressors that were taking place, you know, during the period of when COVID started to be able to quickly pivot and address, you know, that consumer need and create that lineup is a great example of why these labs are differentiators for us around speed, uh, but in, most importantly around delivering formulas that are safe and effective. So, Nick, it sounds very clearly like you have a lot of irons in the fire for this year. I would love if you could kind of recap by telling us just the priorities, the, the main goals that you personally have for your role and for the business. Yeah, I think what's really important for me uh, is always anchoring back uh, to our mission. And, you know, when we talk about inspiring everyone to love living a more conscientious, you know, lifestyle, what that really means is ensuring that you don't have to worry about the ingredients uh, within your products, uh, being more conscientious about sustainability and that environmental footprint within those products. And being able to also understand that, you know, doing good and giving back uh, and making a difference, you know, within, you know, our, our, our kind of local as well as kind of national, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, our marketplace, 
that that's what we want to always uh, keep at the forefront. I call it the purpose overall of the business. So if we start there, you know, for us developing the right plan and for us, the plan right now is to build upon, you know, this innovation cadence that we have within categories like diapers, wipes, skin, personal care and beauty and really prioritize there uh, over the next year, two and three years to be able to delight consumers consistently and ensure that that consumer from a household perspective becomes an honest consumer. Because this is a lifestyle brand that will be not just for 10 years, and we've obviously achieved a lot in a 10-year period, but we compete against companies that are 100, 150, 200 years old. We want this to be a lifestyle brand that will stand the test of time. Not only in the categories that I just identified, but as we think of innovation, categories that will be emerging more and more for us into the future, because that's the beauty of Honest, is the fact that we're not just a brand that has to go into one vertical. The consumer's willing uh, to look at this brand in multiple categories, as we've seen the development more and more in skin, personal care, and beauty over the last few years. And that for us is where we're prioritizing because, again, we start with the mission. We start with our purpose. When we look at our plan, yes, we're building out categories that we've currently identified, but we really have the opportunity to build out this kind of lifestyle platform through this accessibility omni-channel lens to make things easy for the consumer day in and day out. Nick, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Emma, thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about our honest story. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit that button. Mm-hmm.